Welcome to Swine Doc Pod with Carthage. My name is Dr. Clayton Johnson, and I'm the host. And uh, with us today is Dr. Bill Hollis, also with Carthage Veterinary Service. How are you doing today, Bill? Uh, good, Clayton. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, well, welcome to the lovely Carthage Podcast Studios that we've got here. Um, I really appreciate you doing this, Bill. I also want to thank the folks at swineweb.com for helping us to post and publish this information. Um, we certainly couldn't pull off the technical details of this without their help. And thanks to Jim and his, and his team for helping us to put this together. Bill, one of the things that you and I were trading some emails about here last month is something I think most veterinarians and barn folks will understand. And that's this kind of concept of barn speak where we have some very common terms that we all use and to each of us, those common terms may mean something very differently. You want to kind of talk a little bit about that um, discussion we were having about barn speak and, and some of the things that you run into on the farm that maybe are problematic because of those lack of, of really defined definitions? Yeah, thanks, Clayton. And I, and I also uh, would, would introduce that, that whole barn speak topic from the veterinarian lens. But I think it, it transfers just as easily to the farm manager, production manager, supervisor. If, if we're trying to lay out some type of, of protocol and, and execute a health program, very often the people that we're talking with have a good deal of experience. They understand some of the why or, or maybe a little bit of the how. And uh, to them, uh, common terms like uh, feedback or guild acclimation have a history and they, and they know what you're talking about in their mind, that could become something very different in a different system or wherever they came from in the past. And so barn speak means, yeah, we use these words as if they're interchangeable for everybody knows what they mean, when in fact there can be very different interpretations when we get down to execution. And I would guess the most experienced people are probably some of the most dangerous ones, right? You've got a PERS outbreak on a farm and you come in and announce we got to do McRebel. There's a few people in there that want to raise their hand immediately and say, I got that doc. I know how to do McRebel. Yeah, well, and, and let's face it, they're also the busiest people on the farm. So if you're in the middle of a PERS break or middle of a PED break and you've got all kinds of things to do, your, uh, your experienced leader that's confident, that's good at execution, is probably also very busy. So it's, it's important for the veterinarian, or again, the production lead that's going to uh, work on the program to, to carve out the appropriate time necessary to go through the specifics. So then uh, we are spending some, some quality time with a person that's gonna be responsible for executing and they understand specifically what it is we're talking about. So that uh, the term isn't just, oh yeah, I've done that before, know exactly what you're talking about, uh, or yes, we've done that in the past. We know exactly how to do feedback. These can be very uh, different topics or different programs for different reasons. And uh, that's where Barnsby can get a little dangerous. Yeah, every farm is different. Every situation is unique. And to have the best outcomes, you're gonna have a unique plan. I always feel like one of my biggest challenges during all that chaos, right? Because you're never doing this at a normal time in the farm. It's, it's chaotic. Um, it's, it's hard for me to just get people to kind of settle down. 
because they're so used to operational mode of go, go, go. We got a million things to do today. The farm is literally on fire from a health perspective, maybe. Do you have any kind of in-barn communication tips or just interpersonal communication tips for how to settle somebody down and get that 20 or 30 year person that thinks, I know exactly what I need to do in this situation, kind of get them redirected to know, let's make sure we're aligned on what this means before you go execute what you think it means. I, I find it's best to, to start before you arrive at the farm. So, and that, and that's harder than it sounds. I mean, the, the, especially if you're in a routine visit relationship. Yep, we landed on a date. I know when you're coming, uh, you, the door code is X. And so they send you the door code and we've all arrived at a date. I would encourage us to spend a little bit of time interacting with either email or a phone call on what it is we wanna cover. And so it's not really just checking the box, getting through the process where we assume that they know what we're talking about. We've asked for a few hours of that person's day. And, and can, we, can we share on email what is, it, what is it that we're going to talk about when? So when you're coming out of the shower and everybody's got things to do, we've already outlined what it is we want to accomplish for the day. Now there's going to be, there's going to be changes or there may even be uh, bigger issues that, that interrupt. Sure. Uh, but I would, I would encourage us to start with a, some type of a relationship interactively before you get there. And then <laughs> veterinarians notoriously in herd visit relationships get used to reading people. When you, when you come out of the shower, if that person's relaxed and happy to see you and is ready to sit down with a few notes of paper and some reports, uh, we're all good and, and we can start, start in. If you're coming out of the shower and that person's got staffing issues or people arguing or, or uh, you, you can't even find them, you don't know where they're at, uh, there, there, may be, um, there may be need to, to adjust and, and to coach. And um, so I, yeah, I would say it's very different depending on the relationship and starting early helps and then following up uh, with, uh, with quality time, uh, make sure that you, you understand where they're coming from. How about just for the veterinarians out there, uh, Bill, that do go to multiple farms with multiple different protocols. I know you have this experience, you and I have worked together on farms for mash-offs. For, um, we've, we've worked on um, farms with Eichelbergers and, and lots of big systems, right? That have their own SOPs. And there's gonna be shades of gray differences between those SOPs. How do you kind of keep all of that stuff straight? Is it just that pre preparation time for you before the visit so that you know, all right, well, if I'm going to this herd, I know they want feedback done this way. Or are there any other tips you could give, I guess, specifically to the veterinarians out there that kind of go to different farms that have all these different protocols? I, I believe that starts with the veterinarian's relationship to the owner of the pig. So um, in, the, in the two examples that you gave, there, there are, it may not have been the, the tip top owner, but whoever's accountable to yeah. that owner, uh, yep. whoever, whoever hired you to come to the farm, yep. uh, what's their expectation? And, and if that individual has a very clear expectation of McRebel, let's use that as an example. Mm -hmm. We all say McRebel. What is McRebel? Well, if their expectation is, I don't want you to move any pigs, period. Maybe we need to start there with, okay, I, you and I agree that, that your expectation is we're not going to move any pigs, period. What do we do when we have a sow who can't lactate at mm -hmm. all? Yep. Well, we're not going to move the pigs, 
But I also don't believe that, it, that those pigs need to all be euthanized. If yeah. we can figure out a way to safely save pigs without mixing pigs and, and start getting down into the specifics and the definitions, the owner or the, the person that hired us may not want to know all the specifics, but we do need to know what, what is it that they're sharing with their teams and then how can we communicate their expectation with our understanding of the science. Um, now that may be very different when we go to another client. Mm -hmm. We may have another client that has a, has a, a very different need for uh, throughput, yep. uh, very different health structure for pigs. Uh, and if it's, if it's breeding stock gilts, for example, and they're, they're naive to all the nasties, then, uh, then I would say our, our structure and our, our process for piglet movements can be very different. Yeah, and it can, be, it can be very appropriate that they are different, right? A multiplier that's got a PERS outbreak and they're choosing to close the herd and eliminate it, they may not be moving those pigs because to them, the, the only definition of success is get negative and do it as fast as I can. But a, a commercial sow farm that's going through the PERS elimination uh, during a period of extremely good market prices, right, where those, those wean pigs have so much value, the risk management is totally different in that situation. And I think we just got to be open to the fact that the right protocol is not one, one thing written down. It's specific to that farm, and it may even change month to month, week to week, depending on what's going on. Pig, pig movements is probably our biggest barn speak opportunity as a veterinarian. If, yeah. if they say, uh, yep, we cross foster, I would highly encourage the vet to ask specifically, what's that mean? Mm -hmm. And then, and then go look at sow cards and see if, if the, if the words actually uh, yep. contribute to the actions or, or it could be, no, we don't do any cross fostering. But then when you go to the barn and you see uh, there's a lot of pigs being moved, uh, something's and they may call it something different, but something's happening. That's a great point. And I think um, all of us as vets are kind of aware of that on the biosecurity side, because we've done so many biosecurity audits, and we know that the people are so drilled on the SOP that if you just ask them the yes or no question about the SOP, they will always get the answer right. And you may walk out of the barn and see them doing the exact opposite of that in practice. But I think you bring up a good point. That the same thing is true with kind of the barn speak stuff or for management practices like, you know, feedback and guilt acclimation. You may ask the manager, how do we do this in the office? And they read you the textbook verbatim program, right? We just had all our farm managers here in Carthage uh, just last Friday. And I'm sure they got schooled on some new SOPs, right? You know, here's exactly the way we want to do this. So that farm manager may verbatim explain to you the right thing. When you go look at the barn, you may see a slightly different version of the truth that's actually playing out out there. Yeah, and, and people are people. Where what is it? Uh, we got to hear it seven times before we actually buy in, or we, yep. or something like that. And and people uh, that that farm manager as well is going to a farm of maybe um, twenty to thirty people, and maybe those people may or may not have a good grasp of the why. Uh, so you're just trying to get through the how. How are we going to do this? Um, and I, again, I think it's it's likely that. Uh, You've got experienced people, very good intentions, but they probably have a history with some of those words. And if we can get to both why and how, uh, then, then we're going to have a little better buy-in. And we may be surprised that uh, their definition of, of feedback 
Uh, I tell you, this is a, a quick funny. I, I had a, a farm I went on with feedback, uh, was collected by one group of people on the farm, set in the hallway, and it may or may not get used within the next day or two. Well, you can imagine what that bucket looks and smells like in about two yeah. days. Yep. <laughs> and, and that's not of any value. All those things that are growing are of no value to anybody on the farm. And so once you start digging into the specifics and the detail and you ask a few questions that aren't yes, no questions, that's when the surprises come. And to the credit of the farm manager, they're just trying to execute, but somebody interpreted differently or some other reason happened that created a problem. And almost never that reason is I wanted to screw things up, right? There is nobody who wakes up coming to the farm thinking, how can I be a failure today? Or, you know, how can I be malicious? And I shouldn't say nobody, but that's the tiny, tiny percent of the population that's out there. Most people want to do a good job. And if you can technically walk them through the why, right? The here's why that bucket of feedback that's been sitting there at room temperature for three days maybe isn't exactly the best thing we want to put in the belly of these pregnant sows. If you can walk them through that and kind of the biology and you don't have to give them a PhD in microbiology, but if you can explain the basic concepts to them and, and show them there's a better way, I think generally people will be willing to make the change and you can build some confidence. You can build some rapport with that person that you're credible. You know what you're talking about. And if they see good results from it, even better. Well, feedback's a good, a good point, Clayton, that we have learned so much more about how to identify the specific organisms that we can create an even greater level of confidence with that, that owner operator, uh, farm owner or, or shareholder that is really afraid of feeding back live organism because of some history they've had that was really detrimental. So, yeah. so those situations have evolved in the veterinary community as well. So maybe we spend a little bit of time at all levels in explaining, we create a, a very specific and targeted reason uh, and then we go execute in the barn, explaining how this is different than the last time we talked about feedback. Mm -hmm. and, um, and we get a little better execution, I think, with, uh, with that communication level. Now, with variation comes variation to the bad, right? The feedback that's been sitting there for three days, but also inevitably is going to come some variation to the good, right? People have some clever and creative ideas that you're just sitting there thinking, why did I not think of this, right? You know, I've been going to farms my entire life. I've never seen this before. I've never seen it fixed this way. But man, it seems like it's a good idea. How do you handle those when you're working with a client, Bill, and you know what they're doing isn't on protocol, but you have a sneaking suspicion that they may be on to something there. How do you kind of walk that fine line of not being seen as the cowboy who's championing the get off protocol, yet at the same time, don't squash what could be a good idea? Well, I think in any system, things need to be well-documented. Uh, I've had it explained to me painfully before, if it's not written down, it didn't happen. Uh, and in that situation, uh, when we're dealing with a system uh, that is, is going to impact a large number of animals, I do think we need to write it down. Mm -hmm. and, and in that manner, we, we get to the specifics of why and how is it different. Mm -hmm. And there, there is the opportunity to share and you look for the appropriate time. Uh, you, you, don't, uh, you don't bash the, the protocols because you didn't write them or because you didn't like them. Uh, you, you look for the appropriate time to introduce change. And, and I also think there are people who are better at validating change than others. In, in, a, in an end of one, where it worked one time, uh, we, we can't accept that that's going to work for everybody. 
So we have to, we have to challenge those uh, protocols. We have to put them in an environment where we can measure the results. Uh, and then we provide that information back to the, back to the team. Uh, we, we've got a production system in the Carthage system that's just wonderful. And there are small things that that, that team and that that manager do that are different than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a few of those small things we've looked at and said, look, if, if you can accomplish that in your farm and your production's tremendous, we're not going to fight back against that. Yep. Uh, so there are other production uh, operations within the Carthage system where we can't. And we're not going to try and go execute all, all those things that are the small things yep. uh, simply because they won't be, they won't be done appropriately. So um, I think it depends is what I'm saying. Well, I think you bring up a good point too, right? If, um, if you or I are going to go visit a client in the Carthage system or outside, and we're given an SOP beforehand that says, here's how I want to do the cross fostering. And we go to the farm and they're not doing it that way. And the results aren't good, right? The first thing we're going to do is say, guys, let's get on the SOP. Let's try the SOP, and if that doesn't work, then we'll try plan B. But until we get there, let's start there and see if it works. And I think there's a, there are times where maybe you and I, our time isn't best utilized because we're kind of handed the SOP, and it's like, well, here's what we do. The results aren't good, so go fix it. We go, fine, they aren't doing exactly that, and we just try to implement that. So that's something I always try and tell people, you know, before you pay me to come to your farm, double check that SOP and make sure that's happening, right? Because if, if the pigs have scours in the farrowing house and I walk in and the ventilation isn't on SOP, that's going to be the first thing that I say to do is let's get it on SOP. Well, I could have done that with an email or you know, somebody else who goes to the farm more frequently could have done that as well. And so I always encourage people, you know, look for those opportunities, bring me in when the SOP you think is the right one and it's not working, then I can maybe help you troubleshoot. Yeah, one of the best conversations I had with a farm manager, because uh, I was coming off of some pretty pretty rough farms and came to came to his farm and was just having a great day and things were going so smooth and I I kept asking him well, what, what what is it that you think uh, has really set you apart and just with his stone cold face serious as as he was uh, said well I, I'm just following the protocols he wasn't being mean <laughs> that's just what he meant I'm just yeah. I'm just following the protocols. So I think those are there, uh, the, the protocols are in place for a core. If we can establish the core and it's repeatable and it's repeatable in a consistent way that people are seeing the benefits, then we start looking at the cowboy ideas like you described. I mean, we, we just don't wanna to go too far, uh, too far out. If you've got a protocol that works in 80% of your farms, 80% of the time, that's probably a really good protocol, right? I mean, it's, it's hard to write it to the detail level where it's going to work any, everywhere. And if you think it is, eh, you might be lying to yourself because farms aren't cookie cutter. Um, even if they're designed fairly similarly, same genetics, same feed mill, you see variation from farm to farm. It's just part of it. If we want amazing performance, we're going to have to make tweaks to that protocol along the way. Guilt acclimation is one of my favorite, Clayton. Uh, when you when you mentioned differences between farms, we started taking tape measures to guilt finishers and guilt nurseries. And guess what? We don't build them anywhere close to the same because for whatever reason, the layout was different here. The layout was different there. Uh, there's another barn that we added on over here. And, and uh, you, you start raising guilts in less than ideal square footage, you get the results that, that are less than ideal. <laughs> Yeah, they do not like to be put in a position that they're not allowed to develop. I had a a really good production guy tell me once, you know, you can, we can start with however many pigs you want in here. They end up at the right stocking rate, no matter what, 
Uh, yes. That's very, very true advice. They will, they will arrive at the ideal stocking density. Yeah. And, and for guild standpoint, they're also not gonna be very interested in reproduction without the opportunity to interact with a, with a boar. And so if we've, if we've created an environment that's uh, less than ideal, or possibly it's just different than the other farms, uh, we better figure out how to optimize the facilities and the space and the ventilation uh, to that particular farm. And, and under the guild acclimation uh, barn speak, uh, that may have worked at the last farm we were at, but yeah. we have very different resources at this farm. Yeah, I, I can remember um, working with a couple of farms and one individual transferred from one farm to the other. The first farm they'd worked at, um, they were uh, at a farm that had expanded its gestation and farrowing. So it had expanded its mated inventory at some point in that farm's life. But the GDU never got expanded. The GDU was still the same size as what the farm was originally built for. And so that individual was not really used to um, the opportunity to do a lot of selection pressure. And then when they went to the new farm, they, this whole concept of, well, you know, at 20 weeks, we really need to look these animals over and pick the best of the best but floored them completely when they figured that out because they just were used to, well, these are the only animals I have and I have to breed all of them to hit my breed target. And so you're exactly right. I mean, th that individual is an excellent employee with great results, but it was a big shift just with that one little difference from farm to farm as they moved from farm one to farm two. I, I think if uh, one, one more uh, tidbit of advice, if a veterinarian has come through a farm for almost a year and hasn't picked up a tape measure, they might, want to, they might want to add that to their toolbox That's and, right. uh, and go evaluate a few things uh, with a tape measure. At the end of the day, the pigs don't lie, right? Anything can lie to you. The, the blueprints can lie to you. The controller on the ventilation can lie to you. The diagnostic results can lie to you, but the pigs will always tell you it's working or not working. Yeah. All right, Bill, I thank you very much for the opportunity to have this conversation. I, I really enjoyed it. I hope our listeners are too. Um, we'll go ahead and sign off here today. Um, and again, this has uh, been uh, episode number three of Swine Doc Pod with Carthage. My very special guest this week, Dr. Bill Hollis. Thank you very much for being with us, Bill. Thanks, Clayton. Appreciate it. All right. Have a great day.